Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week, we bring business people together to talk about the business of cannabis. And this week is no exception. I'm David Palaszczuk, the co-founder of uh, Branding Bud, the Branding Bud, sorry, Branding, I am David Palaszczuk. I'm going to start right over. Yeah, just start over. Who am I and what am I doing here? I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group and the author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I am here with my cannabis best friend, Adriana Keemans, and we are chatting about all sorts of things cannabis today. Um, Adriana, my BCF, has, a, has over eight years in the cannabis space. She's a marketing executive, and every week we come together um, to talk about cannabis, and uh, we're super excited. We've got a great show. We've got a great guest, and let's kick it off. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Every week we come together, but not every week we dress exactly alike. That was unintentional. Or I should say it was intentional because it was in honor of Thirsty Thursday, and we're talking about cannabis beverages today, and I'm so excited. I see some people jumping in the chat and saying hi. Um, thank you so much for, for initiating that and kicking us off. If you're just joining in and I see people coming in, please say hi, introduce yourself, let us know where you're from. And I have a weird question for our audience today. Um, David, humor me for a minute. So I was thinking about this last night, and this is kind of weird. If someone wants to drink a beverage, you say that they're thirsty. But is there a word for if someone wants to smoke weed? I'm, this is not a riddle. I'm just asking. I'm curious. If anyone knows of the right word for that, please drop it in the chat. <laughs> Jonesing. Jonesing. Hello. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Don. Sorry to interrupt you, David. No, I was just saying hello to somebody. All of our guests, thank you again for joining us. You know, every week we, um, in addition to bringing our guests out and uh, talking about and experts in, in the field and talking about cannabis and different aspects of it, we always have audience participation. and We encourage everybody to hang tough with us throughout the show and participate. So um, we're excited about this. Today we'll be chatting with uh, Austin Stevenson and we'll be chatting. The topic is, is flavor, function, and form cannabis beverage development. And specifically, we'll be chatting about what are the unique challenges and opportunities in developing a cannabis-infused brand? Are the strategies and or techniques from cannabis from the non-cannabis beverage space uh, translatable over to the cannabis space? And, and are there lessons learned um, you know, from, uh, from non-cannabis beverages? And what non-cannabis beverages will come into the space? Many of them are in, many of the big companies are already in, but many of them are, are on the outside, around the around the pond, looking in and, and ready to jump in when the time is right. And we'll, we'll try to address some of that a little bit. So um, that said, we're really excited. Our guest today is Austin Stevenson. He's the managing partner of Thomas Green Equities. He's also the co-founder of Vertosa, which is a, a specifically a cannabis beverage development company. Um, he functioned there as the chief innovation officer. Um, and we are going to chat about um, cannabis beverages and, and what are the issues in developing them and um, and really how how they're taking uh, the shape in the industry. So that said, let's bring out Austin Stevenson. Hi, Austin. Welcome. Hey, Adriana. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Hey, Austin. Lovely to have you here. Wait. Are you wearing black too? <laughs> I guess I got the memo. All black everything. 
Awesome. So, Athan, let's kick it off. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Tell us what you're passionate about. Yeah, well, you know, I'm passionate about the plant. Um, I'm passionate about health and wellness. And my reason uh, for being in this industry for nearly a decade uh, is because I truly believe the plant can provide a lot of health and wellness benefits um, for everyday consumers. Um, so, you know, I have spent the past Oh goodness, like I said, nearly a decade, so probably like a little over eight years, uh, investing, advising, uh, and operating within the cannabis industry um, across the entire supply chain. So you know, I have portfolio companies um, everywhere from cultivation to extraction, um, ultimately to analytical chemistry, manufacturing, um, and even a little bit of distribution and retail. Um, so you know, I am very well familiar with all the ups and downs and all arounds of the supply chain, uh, coast to coast, from California to Maryland and New Jersey and, and beyond. Um, so I love this plant. I love um, that, you know, it's finally becoming mainstream and recreational. And I really feel um, that we as professionals have a responsibility uh, to lead by example and create amazing products um, that people uh, want to enjoy and, and share. And, and that's why I'm so excited about this conversation about beverages, because I truly believe that cannabis beverages are one of the most approachable form factors uh, for the everyday consumer. Um, you know, it's going beyond just smoking flour or, or vaping uh, a cartridge. Now we're putting a, a different cannabis beverage in, in somebody's hands. Uh, and that's the most ubiquitous form factor uh, of folks of consuming any type of CPG product. So uh, I love what we're doing and I love what we're talking about. We, we love your passion and it really comes through. <laughs> you know, so we're, we're here to talk about beverages today. I mean, let's just, I guess, level set. You know, what are the, what are the issues um, surrounding cannabis beverages? Are there, are there yeah. certain things that, that are just, you know, baseline aspects of building and creating a, a cannabis beverage that I guess that are slightly different from any other beverage? Definitely. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenge or, or aspect that's different from building any other beverage um, is getting the cannabis plant uh, into a water-based beverage. Um, and so there's a lot of chemistry uh, behind that. So, you know, what one of my portfolio companies, Bertosa does, where I was a co-founder, um, is specialized in the chemistry of taking a cannabis extract uh, and oil. So as we all know, we start with a plant and then we extract uh, into an oil. Um, and then that's where a lot, a lot more chemistry happens. So you go from plant to a chemical um, extract um, that turns it into an oil, whether it be a distillate or a live resin or an isolate, it's an extraction process. And so then once you have that oil, we all know oil and water doesn't mix. Um, so there is a chemi chemical process that can happen uh, in that in between oil and water. Um, and that's what Vertosa specialized in. You know, it uh, utilizes nano emulsions. So using a nanotechnology, using uh, mainly organic ingredients um, to create an emulsion. And that emulsion is what turns an oil into a water-based uh, ingredient and that water-based ingredient goes into a beverage. Um, and that's, that's where the, the meat of creating the cannabis beverage is. Now, of course, from an analytical chemistry standpoint, there's all sorts of nuances that I could spend hours and hours in a full lecture on. Um, but 
I'll save you and spare you those details for now. Maybe a follow-up episode. That'd be cool. Uh, I want to call out a comment from Bree Smith, who wrote, cannabis beverages are absolutely the best middle ground for consumers looking to dabble. It's a familiar form, and the low dosing makes it more accessible and less frightening to try. Thanks for your uh, comment, Bree. And since we're on the topic, what is a good, how do you how do you determine an appropriate dosage for a beverage? Yeah, well, it's a great comment, um, and, and the question's very open-ended. I like to really address you know, the choice, and folks will ask us this all the time, it's, you know, how do I choose dosage? What is the appropriate dosage? And I say it starts with your consumer. The beautiful thing about, you know, cannabis uh, consumers is that they're just as diverse as the whole world's population. Um, so you have some low dosers, you suddenly have some uh, heavy dosers. You have people that uh, give you a little, you know, scientific word, titrate, um, where titration is the amount of cannabis that you consume and enjoy. And, and ultimately, some people titrate at different levels. Um, for example, one of my business partners, he can only take in two milligrams of THC. And that gets him very buzzed. Whereas myself, I'm a little bit of a heavier weight where I titrate at about five to seven milligrams. And then there's others that can take up to a hundred milligrams a day or even more. Um, and those are the heavy, heavy users. So I like to say that it's all dependent upon your consumer. Um, like in many other industries, um, KYC, know your customer. What do they want? What is important to them? The, for example, what's in market today, two of the biggest and most uh, ubiquitous and well-known brands is Can uh, and Uncle Arnie's. Now, Can is a low-dose beverage. You know, they're, um, you know, have, I think it's three milligrams of THC, two milligrams of CBD, and some different ratios, whereas Uncle Arnie's has 100 milligrams of THC and no CBD. Well, they have two very different consumers. You know, Can is, is creating... Uh, a, a platform of creating, um, you know, more mainstream use, more social use. Social use. Um, they're trying to bring in new consumers, so not the traditional cannabis consumer that was going to this dispensary out here in California for the last 10 years, but rather the can of curious folks that are looking for an alternative to alcohol or a better for you type of beverage. And so they like to start with the, the low and slow. So that's why they have a two milligram, three milligram type of beverage. Whereas the Uncle Arnie's consumer, that's the heavy hitting, heavy dosing, everyday um, consumer. And they know that. So they lean into it and they uh, created beverages that are 100 milligrams. Um, and that's, that's the reason why, because you have two completely different consumers um, that have um, you know, kind of desires for, for different dosage levels. Um, so that's the, that's the way I address the, the question. It's really know your consumer and create a beverage based on your consumer's wants, desires, and, and needs. Um, now, the only caveat to all that is that there are regulations in every state has different regulations. Um, yeah. And so also know your regs um, because, you know, an example in California, the individual serving size uh, is 10 milligrams. Whereas in Massachusetts, the individual serving size um, for a beverage is five milligrams. So know your regs, understand your regs, but more importantly, just know your, know your customer um, because they'll tell you what they want. Low, medium, high, it's all up to them. Yeah, I think it's occasion driven too, right? So like one consumer 
They may have the low dose occasion, like if they're having Christmas dinner with their family, or they may have the high dose occasion when they're going out to a concert. Um, so it's important right. to know like, what you're going to be using it for. Right. Use and case. Exactly. And it's important, you know, Adriana, you bring up a good point. I mean, just, you know, occasion related to beverages. I mean, be beverages probably, not only is it the most ubiquitous form factor, but um, it, it's tied to gender, it's tied to hierarchy, it's tied to, um, you know, somebody's drinking, a, let's say, a champagne versus a Shirley Temple. I mean, there, there are so many things that are tied back to beverages, which are, which are really interesting. And one quick comment, Austin, just to double down on what you just said, you know, there's been, um, th there's been sort of this, I'll say it was interesting, what up here in Washington State, uh, I've noticed, and this is over the last few years, there's been this move of, yes, there were high dose um, beverages, but then, um, but then those beverages also became shots, right? You know, so it's really interesting. So for example, Arnie's, um, or uh, Uncle Arnie's, is, is more, I believe, a shot. So it's not only a higher THC, but it's also a shot versus lower, like can, which is literally a, uh, at a lower dose. So you're not only getting more liquid that you can set over time, the shot at the higher dose is really about doing it like a five-hour energy drink. So it really is unique and uh, distinct from each other in the approach to, to the, in this case, the cannabis beverage. You're spot on, David. I think it's those use case and, and the consumer. So, you know, um, in my experience working directly with the Arnie's team, they found that their consumer, you know, wanted um, more cannabis, less liquid, um, because ultimately, you know, their consumer wanted a full 100 milligrams. And the larger volume, 12 ounce fluid ounce, you know, lemonade and tea that they had was great. But, you, you know, their consumer could consume a whole 100 milligrams and they would drink the whole thing and then have to go to the restroom. So they wanted more of a, a shot um, format. So you get just as much cannabis, uh, but less, less liquid. Um, and then the great thing about the shot format that Arnie's did is that they innovated beyond just THC. So here in California, it's actually my you know favorite product right now. Their 100 milligram shot uh, is also has naturally occurring caffeine in it and THCV. So this is truly the cannabis version of five hour energy because it's going to give you that uplifting buzz um, from the, not only the caffeine, but also the inclusion of the minor cannabinoid of THCV that's currently being researched for its more uplifting energetic effect. And also there's some research out there that say it may be uh, an appetite suppressant. And so truly forming and kind of comparing or uh, pairing well uh, with caffeine. So you can do so much in beverage. There's so much diversity to your point, David, where, you know, you can get fancy um, like a champagne or mimosa, like our folks at, at Saka that have a very elegant, beautiful bottle that's meant to have a nice brunch, a uh, Sunday brunch with this product, or you can take the energy product like I do before I go bike riding or pre-workout, um, or you can go to sleep on another product that uses other minor cannabinoids. So there's so much you can do in beverage that makes uh, cannabis beverage so much fun. There you yeah. go, Carolyn. There's your wine you were asking about a minute ago. That's right. <laughs>
And, and I want to just call out, welcome, Carolyn. Thanks for joining us. Carolyn is with ArtView, and I see Stacy also up here in, in the Seattle area with Source. A big shout out to Source, um, another, uh, another um, cannabis de uh, beverage development company. It uh, looks like our audience is pretty warmed up. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, a little round of participation, shall we? This is our first question of the day. Are cannabis-infused beverages more popular in Canada than in the U.S.? What do you think? More popular in Canada? True or false? Um, and I will say that this is as a percentage of market share. So we know that Canada is a little bit of a smaller market than the U.S. So this is percentage of products sold. Are there more beverages represented in Canada or in the U.S.? Take your best guess and throw it in the chat. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting also because, right, where uh, it's federally legal uh, in uh, Canada, nationally legal, and uh, here it's not. So um, you would think um, there's the opportunity to, to promote, uh, to advertise nationally, all of the things, all of the, 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 the media uh, opportunities at scale that everybody in our industry in this country is waiting for, um, you know, happens to a certain degree uh, more in Canada, although they're very restrictive in, you know, conversely, they're very restrictive in Canada in terms of uh, packaging and, and branding and all of that stuff. So this is a really interesting question if you sort of peel it, peel it a little bit more. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of guesses for false. I see yeah. five guesses for false. And a couple of questions about what was that shot that you just held up on? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll show you the shot again. So the shot was the uh, Uncle Arnie's energy shot, which is 100 milligrams of THC, 150 milligrams of caffeine, uh, and a little bit of THCV. They also have a sleep shot too, which is which is awesome. Includes CBN, and you might need it after you take the energy shot. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now, only because I'm a Canon nerd, Adriana. Just a clarifying question. Now, are we including hemp infused beverages in this data set? Mm, really good question, and I don't think we are. I think we're only talking about. Um, I'm going to skip ahead and look at the answer. I think we're only talking about THC. I do as well. And, and this data point that we're going to call out comes from headsets. So I'm more likely to believe that it's THC focused than it is um, yeah. derived or, or other um, derived uh, cannabinoids. Well, let's cool. reveal the answer. Let's do it. Let's see. You know, when we, we, we didn't get let's off. Do chart. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think U.S. Well, it's only a difference of 1%, but that 1% one, <laughs> one makes all the difference in the world, I guess. Yep, it's 2.1% of sales in Canada, 1.1% in the U.S. Thank you, Headset, for that uh, data point. And it's important to note, too, you know, Adriana, we, we always joke, um, you know, we start off with the big headline that cannabis-infused beverages are the fastest, you know, growing category in the segment. So everybody's all excited and says, whoa, I got to start a cannabis-infused beverage. And then the second stat is, well, it's only really 1% of, of, you know, of the market. And then you sort of pause and say, oh, okay, it's the fastest growing, but it's got a long way to go. So 
here, I guess, when you look at a 1% difference between the U.S. and Canada, it's significant in terms of the numbers. Interesting. Thank you to everyone who guessed. Yeah. That was a good one. It was. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, so there's, um, uh, I'm, I'm curious too, um, you know, what, what role um, partnerships and what role collaborations can, can take place in, in the cannabis beverage space? Um, you know, I worked with Mountain Dew for a bit and I worked as, a, you know, at Microsoft and Xbox as, as a director of brand partnerships. And we were always about connecting those lifestyle brands and companies or like-minded um, brands and companies to our ecosystem. How, how can that, how can that um, you know, play um, in our world, in the cannabis industry? What can we learn from, from operations? And, and also too, I, you know, I threw out their brand partnerships, be it even technology and innovation uh, partnerships and relationships. How can we learn from the outside world? Well, I think there's, um, David, from your experience in Mountain Dew and, and others, there's a tremendous amount that we can learn um, or adopt um, from traditional CPG uh, and, you know, traditional brand and marketing um, strategies uh, that can be adopted and applied to cannabis. Um, you know, it's really, the roads are oyster here. Um, when I think about collaborations uh, and partnerships, you know, the, the one brand and traditional um, in traditional CPG, our you know, really kind of brand and retail is uh, Nike and uh, the Michael Jordan collection. They have done so many collaborations where they've brought in very unique uh, artists or and or brands and helped to take the platform, Jordan platform of all of their Jordan shoes and create some really unique custom um, you know, versions or limited drops that are, are collaborations. Um, that's where I think there's an opportunity in, in cannabis as a whole, as well as cannabis beverage. And we've seen a few folks do it well. Um, so, you know, you use someone like I have on my shelf, um, Artet. Um, I don't have the particular bottle, but, you know, about a year ago, Artet did a collaboration with a farm, uh, Aster Farms. And so it was really interesting because Artet's whole mission was to own the bar cart. And they did that by creating a cannabis aperitif. Beautiful bottle, sits on your bar, your bar cart, you know, uh, sits very well, nicely, you know, next to your cognac or um, you know, your tequila or whatever you may have. Um, but they said, hey, there's an opportunity to highlight the supply chain, highlight the cultivator, and highlight a unique aspect that not many folks are talking about. You know, most beverages will talk about just the flavor, just THC, uh, or just CBD. Whereas Artet took the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to create a very sophisticated beverage using live resin. Um, and we want to be able to trace the origin back to the, to the farm um, and ultimately highlight that on our packaging and do a collaboration so that we can adopt some of the audience that Aster Farms has uh, into the Artet ecosystem and vice versa, provide some of the Artet audience to the Aster Farms ecosystem. And that's exactly what they did. So they utilized uh, a live resin um, that was from Aster Farms, uh, went through the process of creating the beverage, co-branded, um, you know, put it on their beautiful bottle right in the farm and then told a story about it. 
And that story in itself really helped, in, in my opinion, uh, to really bring awareness uh, around all the different players in the value chain that have to work together to create um, this cannabis-infused beverage. And so that's where I think some of the biggest opportunities are, um, are you know, only because I am uh, an old school cannabis, um, you know, person where I like to embrace the plant, I like to embrace the cultivator. So I think there's a lot of collaboration in some of these more innovative uh, products, whether it be, you know, gummies, edibles, whether it be uh, beverages, to highlight the original source and collaborate with the original source and share those audiences to make the bigger ecosystem even bigger. Um, we've also seen it done well with, with Kiva uh, and Lost Farms, um, where they highlight specific strains and where the origin source is. And that's what you're seeing in, in mainstream CPGs as well. I mean, traceability is a big, 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 big topic. You see it in the coffee industry a whole lot. Um, you know, so we want to know where the plant compounds are coming from, uh, where's the original source, um, you know, is it a clean, sustainable source? And you have the opportunity as a brand to tell that story. Um, because again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the call, to me, cannabis is a health and wellness type of product. Um, and the consumer today, you know, the reason why they choose cannabis beverage is because they want a better for you alternative. Um, so it would be in, in all of our best interest to, to highlight um, the the operators and the players who are using best practices to ensure um, that it is a, a clean, sustainable um, you know type of product, and and we can do just that through those collaborations. Yeah, I want to call out um, a comment from Benjamin Larson, CEO of Vertosa, who said Canada also used to have a purchase limit of five units per visit, and that was just recently increased to forty eight. That will be a huge positive. Thank you for that extra context. Uh, Benjamin and uh, Austin, a question for you, like looking at the landscape as a whole, thinking about brands that may be coming into cannabis and want to launch a, a cannabis product line, maybe for the first time. Do you think that um, alcohol brands are more suited to make that jump or non-alcoholic brands? I don't think it's a, a, a you know, it's an either or. Um, I don't think it's binary, rather. I think that, um, you know, they're today's cannabis consumer. Uh, and traditionally, the cannabis consumer, you know, has been going to the dispensary, you know, and, and is very familiar with their cultivars, their cannabis brands that are out there. Um, I think the opportunity today is for new brands to emerge, new brands to build and start to build brand equity. Um, I do think that traditional beverage brands and traditional alcohol brands um, have a lot of knowledge uh, pre-existing knowledge is going to help them navigate the complexities of building a cannabis beverage. So, you know, when you talk about an upstart cannabis brand that may be first-time cannabis beverage manufacturers, there's a learning curve that they have to navigate. Whereas a alcohol brand um, or another beverage brand has already done that. They've done it many, many times before, so they can execute on it very quickly. Um, an example of that uh, as Marion Jones, um, where Jones Soda, not an alcohol brand, but a traditional CPG, um, innovative um, soda company, came into the cannabis space and they knew how to execute quickly because they've done it many, many times before. And not to mention another brand that does collaborations really, really well. 
um, where they took the opportunity in their non-cannabis line to do collaborations with social media influencers, um, you know, music artists, uh, and the likes thereof, and brought them into the Jones Soda uh, ecosystem. Well, I think it's really just, you know, your ability to execute. Um, and cannabis beverage is very complex. So those that have done it before or, you know, um, have pre-existing knowledge that can help really accelerate um, their path to market. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right, Austin. You, um, one of the things about Jones Soda back in the day was they were really the first to use user-generated content for their labels. Um, and then also to move into the customization labels for minimum runs, uh, yeah. allowing people to basically order fact in my refrigerator I, I have probably a 20 year old bottle of Jones soda with uh, with my photograph on it but um, <laughs> it's interesting I, I think it's a no-brainer for the cannabis space my my only complaint would be it took them too long to enter the cannabis space to be honest with you but um, but yeah there's um, the things you've mentioned are are really interesting especially the the farm to table concept right you, you know um, traceability Although traceability sounds so um, so scientific uh, and, and you know, necessary in today's world, the the food to table story just sounds uh, sorry farm to to table story sounds um, in in line with what's on trend and and you know the perfect strategy for building uh, cannabis beverage brands. Um, that said, well, to that to that point, David, not to cut you off, but to that point. That's the biggest opportunity, the future opportunity for collaboration is setting that table, um, you know, for cannabis beverage really to, to take off the way that most of us believe it will. We have to create more safe spaces uh, for people to enjoy and socialize with cannabis beverage. I think that's the most critical aspect. And so states that are adopting consumption lounge licenses and allowing for um, you know, consumption on premise um, are really going to help to proliferate and build um, awareness around cannabis beverages. So, you know, I think about there's a dispensary right here um, in Oakland where I live um, called Rosemary Jane, and they have a can of bar uh, at their, their lounge. And so you can go there and get a cannabis beverage and bring your friends and hang out during happy hour. Uh, and enjoy the beverage, you know, right there on site, just like you go into any other bar. Um, or you look at what they're doing in Minnesota, uh, where they're allowing cannabis beverages uh, to be at retail locations, at um, bars and other venues and restaurants, so that people can pick uh, between an alcoholic beverage or a cannabis beverage and make that choice in the you know, natural environment where people already consume beverages. And so I think there's a future opportunity with, with beverages to collaborate with restaurants, with bars, with retailers in states that have passed permissible regulation. And so, you know, this is really just a you know public service announcement to call your congressman and, and really advocate for consumption lounges and opening up access uh, to cannabis beverages, because that's, that's the thing that's, that's holding us back more than anything else. It's, it's access. And so more, more representatives or more examples like, like Minnesota would be helpful. Um, and some of the work that, you know, other states are doing already uh, for consumption lounges. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, look, I think two of the things that just popped up here, uh, Dennis and, and Stacy mentioned it, which are, you know, safety and normalization, right? You know, and, yeah. and I think uh, opening up, and we did a great show with Maha Hawk not too long ago on, on cannabis consumption lounges and, and brought up all these issues and, and concerns. Um, so it's, it's not only about, you know, people wanting to consume it's it's about where can they do it safely it's about um how can they do it with their friends in a way that um you know minimizes all the risks and maximizes all the benefits i just want to call out briefly um you know we put this slide up just to really show the the variety um forgive me i i we didn't uh, include a shot in here but um but you know carolyn called out a wine earlier um, and asked about that. There's just such a wide variety, not only, you, you know, forms within it, whether it's carbonated or a carbonated soda or a juice or, or all of the other varying forms that are here. But even, uh, dare I say, you, you know, Klaus is a brand um, where, um, where there, there is a hint of uh, a cannabis taste or a cannabis flavor, um, you, you know, which is something that people were trying to get away from for so long. And dare I say, back in the day, before, you know, years ago, before the technology made its way into the industry, I believe that's why most drinks were super sweet, because they were hiding, they were hiding the cannabis case. And, and now, you know, we've come to a place where, where some people want it. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Austin? Yeah, well, you know, I think, in the past, you're right. You know, folks were trying to hide hide the taste um, of of the cannabis plant, and largely that's because some of the inputs they were using, uh, or may have been of uh, kind of lower quality, a lower lower grade input. Um, however, as you mentioned, folks like Klaus um, and a few others, like I mentioned before, Aster, that did the live resin skew. Um, you know, they're using higher quality inputs, um, so they're using premium extracts. Um, that are really rich in terpene profiles. And then you take someone like Warren, who's the CEO and founder of Klaus, who's a good friend of mine, um, who's an expert mixologist. And so, you know, it's really about the flavor systems and the expertise of being able to pair some of the flavors and aromas that cannabis have, whether it be terpenes or other flavonoids, and therefore pairing that well with other ingredients. And so Klaus, you know, it does well to take a lot of the spicy notes that you're seeing from beta carotene and some of the premium extracts that they're using and pairing that with ginger, which is very, very spicy. And you're making a, a great beverage um, that's more sophisticated. Um, so, you know, yes, in the past, people wanted a you know, people had a sugary sweet type of beverage. Um, you know, it was uh, infused sodas of sorts, right? But I believe as, as the consumer tries more, as the consumer palate evolves and gets more aware, you know, they're looking for more sophisticated type of beverages and really good formulators like Warren um, from Klaus know that and understand that. And so when you think about folks that specialize in flavor or I think it's most analogous to like mixologists, they understand, you know, how to use different plant inputs uh, and pair them with, with spirits. So you think about like folks that use elderflower uh, and gin cocktails. Well, that's the opportunity that we have in, in cannabis is to create more sophisticated beverages. And I really do believe that it, it requires, um, you know, more specificity, 
on the, the inputs using more premium inputs like live resins and uh, high terpene extracts, um, understanding the aroma and flavor components of those different terpenes and extracts, and then pairing it really well with other ingredients. Um, and so I think, you know, to the picture that was shown before, that's why there's such a diversity and array of different products. You can have the very sophisticated uh, beverage that really embraces uh, the, the, the flavor of the plant. Um, you can have your uh, your basic beverages um, that are just, you know, infused sodas, or you can have seltzers. Um, and there's a little bit for everybody. And that's, again, why beverage is such an awesome form factor for, for folks. To yeah, definitely is. Our chat is super active today. And I want to call out a couple um, comments that came in. The first one is from Damian Webster, who's the founder of Bolt Ice Tea. I can speak from experience that the 420 Bank Lounge in Palm Springs has been an extremely good partner for Bolt in terms of adoption, people getting to understand, try the beverage, et cetera. And I also want to call out a comment from Stacy Premack, different drinks all over the map, but also different pocketbooks. Really good point. The road mm. to normalization will have their silver oaks along with their bud lights. Love that. Thank you for your comments. Yeah. And thank you. And hello, Damien. And, and wow, I'm, I'm really impressed by the people who joined us today. This is really cool. It's great. It's great to bring industry people together just to chat and participate. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is awesome. Something we should do more often. Well, and then both iced tea is great. So shout out to Damien and the peach. Peach is my favorite. So go, go to whatever location he said and buy the peach. That's my favorite. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, one thing we, we try to do here often is, uh, is again, is, you know, we call it the cannabis crossover, which is just really connecting our little bubble that, that I think we, we'd all agree to a certain degree that we're, we're in um, and connecting it to the real world. So, um, so that said, uh, our can of fact, can of fiction, can of truth question is, did 15,000 new non-cannabis beverages launch in the U.S. in 2021? This is non-cannabis and non-hemp derived. This, oh, yeah. this, this is really about the mainstream, uh, just to give us a sense of what's happening in mainstream beverages. Because um, again, we're, we're always so heads down in what we do. It's really interesting just to get a sense of uh, what the rest of the world is doing. Yeah, so, this is a little, little bit of a level set question. So what do you all think? Is there is an over under? Too high, too low, just right. I think it's probably, I'd probably bet on the, the over, maybe by like 3%. <laughs> and, and I mean, dare, dare I even say, like, these are the ones that actually launch. So could you imagine how many I've tried? Uh, and Seriously. Mm -hmm. If I just go to my bodega up the street, I mean, there are so many beverages cycling through there. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's, it's actually it's like a work of art. It's like ever changing, ever evolving in so many different colors when you go in there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, we have, we have pretty much everybody saying yes. Like, and, and Austin, you've even said, said more. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, Stacy says that seems high. Love the pun. Drum roll, wow. please. Drum roll, please. You know, um, okay. So let's do it. Uh, let's bust out the answer and we'll see what it is. And the answer is yes. 
So according to a record by Mintel, approximately 15,000 Yep. And this is non-cannabis beverages. Non-cannabis. Uh, so this number includes both non-alcoholic and alcoholic beverages, as well as different types of beverages, such as water, juice, coffee, tea, energy drinks, beer, wine, and spirits. So just to put that in perspective, if we go back to um, a headset uh, data point and we look at how many um, how many bever uh, beverage brands were, were dropped in the U.S. and Canada, we see it's, uh, I believe, 183. So in contrast, 183 cannabis brands uh, were brought to uh, were released. So, and, and again, I would also submit that, uh, you know, that there's probably many cannabis brands that sought to come to market, but but didn't. So it's just a big gap between, you know, the real world and, and our world. And we just wanted to, uh, to point that out and, um, uh, I think uh, I think it's worth worth chatting about and, and connecting those data points in the world, real world every so often to the world we live in, just to kind of see um, um, to make sense of it and, and see what the future might bring and and where we can learn from from the opportunities and the mistakes. Quite frankly, mm -hmm. hopefully we'll be living in a future world where there are fifteen thousand new cannabis beverages to try every year. We'll be very busy sampling all of them. <laughs> That's oh. that'd be awesome. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's already almost the end of the show. And we like to wrap it up by asking one last question um, of Austin, our amazing guest. Is there a book, a movie, or an experience that cannabis business people need to know about? Get going. Can we do it one more time? Sure. Sorry. Is there a, a book, a movie, or an experience that you feel like cannabis business people need to know about? Oh, the cannabis business people uh, need to know about. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, since you know, I thought the co-founder and CEO of Vertosa uh, is here with us, I'll you know, give him credit. There's two books that he always recommends um, that I would highly rec recommend. Um, one for any startup executive, um, the, the book Good to Great. Um, I think that's an excellent uh, book, and really, especially if you're are an executive building a startup business and it's scaling and growing um, from good to great is an excellent resource um, just to help balance yourself, balance your own psyche um, and navigate some of the challenges um, that startups have. Um, and the other for beverage specific um, is the history of the world uh, and six glasses. Um, you know, if you're a history buff and you're just kind of a nerd of things, you know, that was a, a core book, uh, you know, of ours at Fertosa. Um, and I really believe that it's a great, great book, kind of just showing you and, and telling you the story of, of how people socialize and how people evolve with beverage. So it goes all the way back, you know, to uh, the political discourses that people were having at coffee shops during the, the Renaissance and how caffeine really, you know, um, you know, drove a lot of that action and activity to spirits and wine and meat and all the way up to present day Coca-Cola uh, and, you know, the drive-thrus and the pub, uh, the drive-thrus and the dive-ins and all that stuff where people are consuming uh, Coke. So I think that's a great book, um, not only if you're a cannabis beverage person, but if you're just a history person that like to like to, to nerd out on all things history, uh, uh, history of the world in six glasses is a, is a great one. And we do believe that um, the seventh class can and will be uh, cannabis. Right on. Bravo, Austin. You are 
so amazing. We we really appreciate not only the way you think, but literally what you do. You've been been really behind so many of the great brands uh, in the space. So thank you so much. Please please keep doing what you do. Thank you. No, you guys are uh, even more amazing and. You know, I'm only as amazing as the team and the people um, that I get to, to work with. And it's such a privilege uh, being able to collaborate with y'all and being able to collaborate with all the amazing people that are in this industry. Um, you know, it, it's an industry full of uh, passion, spirit and, and love. And, you know, I'm just grateful to, to be able to play my small role in it. Thank Absolutely. You. I feel a lot of love. Thanks so much, Austin. Come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you all. Part Enjoy two. the day. <laughs> Austin. Wow. That was, that was nice, super fast. It did. It, it always does. Um, so that said, that's our show for today. I'm excited about next week's show, Adriana. We've got a crazy show. The title is called Outlaw Brands, Backstories and Bad Guys. And we've got um, Barry Foy joining us. Barry Foy is one of the gentleman smugglers, one of a small group of friends from South Carolina who launched a global Canada's smuggling ring in the 1970s before getting caught up in Operation Jackpot, the first presidential sting in the war on drugs. Barry was tagged as a kingpin. Barry went to jail for 11 years. And now that he's uh, out, um, he and his friends have reassembled and created um, a cannabis brand. Yep. Uh, We're going to talk to a real life outlaw. So don't forget to register. We just dropped a link in the chat so you can join us next week for that. That one should be really interesting. Yep, we're super excited. Come back next week. Join us every Thursday. Um, Branding Bud Live, 100% THC, 0% WTF. Thank you, everybody, for participating. Thank you, Adriana. Thank you, Austin, and the team that supports us. We'll see you next week. Check Thank out Branding Bud Live, brandingbud.com, cannabis's best kept secret. Thank you. Thank you.